Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The Crisis Next Door. A weekly report on the biggest conflicts around the world. With host Jason Brooks. Thanks for listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. Water is increasingly becoming a flashpoint around the world as fresh water sources are threatened by rising temperatures and increasing demand from growing populations. Ethiopia, Egypt, and Sudan are currently in that position after Ethiopia started filling the reservoir behind the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, GERD for short. The dam sits on the Blue Nile, eventually feeding the River Nile in Sudan and onto Egypt. And those two countries are worried about Ethiopia restricting that flow. Joining the crisis next door to give more insight into this is Ashok Swain, professor of peace and conflict research with Uppsala University in Sweden. Professor Swain is also the UNESCO Chair of International Water Cooperation and Director of the Research School on International Water Cooperation. Professor Swain, thank you for joining the crisis next door. It's my pleasure, Justin, joining it. Professor, let's start at the root of the story. The Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam has been a longtime dream in Addis Ababa. How did it finally come about after so many years? Uh, I have, I mean, this plan has been at least since 1960s. Uh, I myself had seen this uh, blueprint of it in the early mid 90s. Um, I think what has been that uh, Ethiopia has been uh, for a long time trying to build various dams. One of them, or the major one, is this one. Uh, but there used to be various reasons why Ethiopia couldn't build before because of the Egypt's uh, political, diplomatic uh, strength uh, globally. Uh, Ethiopia didn't have money itself to build this dam, so Ethiopia needed the money from other sources. Uh, which was not available because of Egypt's influence. Uh, but the thing, what has changed is uh, in the um, uh, so-called Arab Spring brought political changes in Egypt. Simultaneously, Ethiopia was economic recovery, economic growth was taking place. Uh, so while Egypt's uh, military power or a political power particularly was going or diplomatic power was going down that is the time ethiopia was gaining international acceptance ethiopia was uh, getting uh, economic growth and uh, when the international community still international agencies uh, didn't provide uh, funding uh, ethiopia could raise the money itself from its sources 
uh, from its own um, um, diaspora community and internally. So uh, that, that, that's why it could build nearly a $5 billion project. So that's the reason when it started in the 19, 2011. Um, so since then, the dam has been built almost 70% of it is completed. And when the dam is fully completed, it will be the largest hydroelectric dam in Africa. How measurable of an impact will that be on the average Ethiopian and their economic prospects? Ethiopia will, uh, Ethiopia is uh, still uh, quite energy short. Uh, there is a, uh, Ethiopia's economic uh, uh, need and also household need demands much more uh, hydropower, particularly energy. And this will be a huge source of providing uh, energy, power for the household as well as for the, uh, it's a growing market. Uh, moreover, uh, Ethiopia also plans to uh, sell the hydropower to Sudan, uh, Kenya, and uh, even Egypt and neighboring countries. So it, it will have a, 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 a more, I mean, it will, be, you know, this is a hydropower project. So it will create a lots of uh, energy. Basically, Ethiopia will manage to uh, get the basic electricity to, to its people and also to provide certain kind of uh, cheaper hydropower also to the neighboring regions and get money out of it. How important is the dam as a source of national pride for Ethiopia? Oh, this is, uh, this is the only, uh, probably the only thing which uh, is being uh, at present being uh, shown as the, you know, bringing country together because you have heard recently there have been uh, lots of ethnic tension, intergroup tension within Ethiopia. There has been also issue about election, democracy. So, but this dam really brings together the country. It's a national, it's considered as a national pride. Though Ethiopia could stand up against the world, can build the dam using its own money. As you said, this will be the not only largest hydropower project, this is the largest development project in Ethiopia, in Africa. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a considered uh, as, as, as a huge uh, pride in the country. But I think that's also is a, is a serious problem because for that, that limits uh, uh, the possibilities for the leadership to negotiate uh, on the dam because that will be, you know, that because they think that that's the only thing which brings country together. So the, it is being used more for political, I mean, the, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a uh, the negotiation is more guided by the political consideration, both by Egypt and Ethiopia, particularly when we're discussing about Ethiopia, rather than the consideration about the water resources. Now let's move on to those issues with Egypt and Sudan. They've been opposed to the dam on worries that Ethiopia will hold back water, putting even more pressure on those two countries to meet the needs of their populations. How critical is the Nile for those countries? Uh, that's a, you know, we have to look because Egypt and Sudan, they have been uh, together uh, on the sharing of the Nile water for uh, a long period of time when they were both under the British uh, rule as well as uh, uh, after even independence. Um, they, uh, Ethiopia, sorry, Egypt and Sudan, they have signed the, the, the two countries 
only signed the agreement in the 11 countries basin in the Nile River to share the water. That's in the 1959 agreement where three-fourths of the 55.5 billion cubic meters of water goes to Ethiopia, 18.5 to Sudan, and the 10 billion cubic meters for the evaporation. So uh, Ethiopia, which supplies almost 86 to 90 percent of water through the Blue Nile Basin, is not party to any agreement. So saying that, I think Egypt is extremely dependent on uh, Nile water. It doesn't mean that Egypt doesn't have other alternative sources. There are some possible other alternative sources like uh, desalination, there are underground water. Egypt has been also misusing a lot of water, but that's that's a different thing. But at present use, Egypt has been uh, almost 90 to 95% of water comes from the Nile Basin. The Sudan is also, Sudan has other sources, but Sudan has also the White Nile coming from the other side. Uh, Sudan is uh, dependent, but not as much as uh, Egypt. But if you look at it, when the Grand Renasa Dam was started to, Ethiopia started trying to build the Grand Renasa Dam, Sudan came to Ethiopian side. So Sudan, for, the, for, a, for a change, changed its side, came from Egyptian side to Ethiopian side. So for a prolonged period of time, Sudan was together with Ethiopia in building the dam because Sudan realized that the, because of this dam, will it will get the cheap electricity to also help to have the control of the flooding flood control. It will also keep able to keep the sediments coming and the, the filling up its own dam downstream. So it had it it, it was with Ethiopia. It what Ethiopia sorry Sudan has now changed its stance to some extent because Ethiopia is trying to uh, two things. Ethiopia has gone um, out of that saying that it will try to build, uh, try to fill the dam unilaterally. The other thing which is coming up now that Ethiopia also wants to have uh, the water sharing because this dam being a hydropower dam doesn't take away the water for Ethiopia. It just will store the water because now Ethiopia wants to keep some water or divert some water. So that's what at least has really um, um, brought apprehension in Sudanese mind. So Sudan has not been uh, from the very beginning against it, but Sudan has changed its stance recently. listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks, and we're talking about the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam with Ashok Swing, Professor of Peace and Conflict Research with Uppsala University in Sweden. Egypt has more than 100 million people, and the United Nations forecast that the population is growing by 1 million every six months, leading to water shortages in Egypt within five years, and that's without the dam in Ethiopia. What are Egypt's options? And how can they supply their population's needs or face a potential population displacement? I think, uh, I mean, there, is, there are possibilities of, as I was telling you, I mean, uh, for the reuse of the water, for the, the, the there are several countries in the world who have uh, using the energy to get the desalination and also stop uh, misusing the water. I mean, Egypt has also created the agricultural field in the middle of the desert. So Egypt has not been really uh, smart in using the water uh, in that sense. But saying that, I think we also need to see the Grand Renasa Dam is a huge dam. It will store a huge amount of water. Uh, but at the same time, it is a hydropower dam. 
the water is not getting out of the river system. It water is being stored. Sudan can, sorry, Ethiopia cannot keep on storing the water. Ethiopia has to leave the water to get through the water through the dam to get the hydropower. So the, the water will only in the beginning, it's only about the control. It's not about water going anywhere. So water is in the system. So the, the real problem is, it's not the water scarcity, but the scarcity of the trust. Because Egypt and to some extent Sudan think that Ethiopia cannot be trusted because when they need the water, when there is a long dry season, um, that time Ethiopia will not keep the water because always these kind of hydropower dams also have certain issues because you know uh, hydropower the timing of the need for the hydropower generation is different than the timing of the need for the irrigation uh, requirement. So I think uh, the similar kind of issues have also come into the uh, come in the Central Asia and other parts of the world. So it's, it's nothing new. But I think it is a, it's a coordination between the countries, uh, particularly Egypt and Ethiopia. When there is a need for the Egypt's water, Ethiopia will be willing to provide certain amount of water. But the water will be in the system. Egypt can create much more. I think there are uh, um, there have been also news reports that Egypt has started trying to create new uh, water uh, systems which where it can store the water. So I think it is. It might look, uh, of course, Egypt's population is increasing, not only Egypt's population, Sudan's population is increasing, Ethiopia's, that region population increase is taking place quite quite a big way. Uh, but I think it is, you know, but for Egypt, which is so much dependent on this water, um, I think uh, has a possibility, also it can store the water. As long as Egypt will have a, real, a problem at hand, the real serious problem at, at hand, if Ethiopia diverts the water from the river system. But at present, with this dam, there is no plan to divert the water from the river system. And speaking of control, Egypt has long been at odds with Ethiopia over control of the Blue Nile. The two countries fought a war from 1874 to 1876 with Ethiopia prevailing. Uh, there was the WikiLeaks report that said Cairo destroyed equipment headed to Ethiopia in the mid-70s that was intended to build a dam. Would Egypt go to war with Ethiopia over control of this dam? That's a good question. I think there have been uh, many people asking me this question, but I, I mean, there have been also news reports that, you know, uh, saying that there is a new uh, water war will take place. Uh, I have been studying the water um, issue, water and conflicts for the last 30 years. Uh, since early 90s, uh, people have been already, people have been saying that the Nile River will be the uh, place where the next war will take place. And we have heard that many uh, presidents of Egypt, also the studying, also UN General Secretary Generals, they have been saying in the past that they, you know the, the next war will be over the water between Egypt and Ethiopia. But I think I find it's 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 not that likely. Uh, it's a very unlikely, rather I will say. The reasons are uh, that likely if Ethiopia uh, goes. Uh, completely out of its mind, try to build, the, try to use the water uh, or try to store the water, try to um, release the water uh, as it wishes without going any agreement. Uh, there, there are, of course, uh, the real problem for Ethiopia are two things, that it will strengthen the alliance between Egypt and Sudan. Second thing is 
so Ethiopia also need to realize that it needs the international, uh, larger international community's support. And uh, because it, Grand Renasa Dam is not the end in itself. The end is Ethiopia's development. Ethiopia has a lots of a number of projects in pipeline. Ethiopia needs the support of the international community to build this dam. So Ethiopia has that problem. But why, why, why I say war is unlikely? Because Egypt is occupied uh, internally as well as in Libya. Because as you know, in Libyan crisis, Egypt is a party and the Egyptian army is engaged there. So it will be uh, expanding the fronts. Uh, second thing is uh, Egypt doesn't really uh, have the a border contiguous with Ethiopia. Uh, so it's not that Egypt can march its army to Ethiopia whenever it likes. It has to have the, uh, it has to come together with Sudan. So it has to be an Egypt Sudanese army joining together and invading Ethiopia, which looks very unlikely. The third thing is you can say that it, Egypt might uh, bomb the dam. Because we have seen that sometimes, you know, you can probably bomb the dam, but Egypt has the uh, Rafal fighters, it can probably use the, uh, for the bombing the dam, but the bombing the dam, it's, it's only, it's a, it's a dam is being built now, it's 70% uh, being built, so it's ongoing construction, it's a new dam, it's a very massive construction and well-built dam, um, and, the, and the most important thing is there is no water uh, in, in the reservoir. So if, even if you or Egypt can bomb once or twice, it will only make certain kind of damage, but it will not take away the dam. But if Egypt attacks Ethiopia, Ethiopia will also possibly retaliate. Egypt has a number of dams which Ethiopia will uh, target. So I think it's, and, and the power relationship between Ethiopia and Egypt is not like United States and Iraq that it will go from some distance and, you know, take, uh, take on Ethiopia. So I think the, uh, there is a very little likelihood because it will not, I mean, of course, any leader can go mad and get, get into this armed conflict, but it will not solve any purpose of waging a war uh, because of this damage. Professor Swain, you mentioned Libya and Egypt's rival Turkey, obviously involved heavy, heavily in Libya. Turkey also invested heavily in Ethiopia. Is that a potential thorn in the side of negotiations between Egypt and Ethiopia over reaching a resolution? I think there are many parties are engaged uh, in this issue. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, I alluded in the big sometimes before that it's a, it's a rather than this negotiation being over water, it's more and more politics, or rather poli uh, because it's a Turkey is a partly playing its game. Um, there is also Arab uh, countries uh, who are supporting. Uh, I mean, this is the, there is a there is a attempt to divide this Arab world versus uh, Black Africa, and there is uh, all sorts of uh, uh, you know in one side U.S. and other side somehow China and Russia in the background. So there have been. Uh, other actors than these countries are engaged in, and and, the, and the, you know Egypt is trying to also uh, generate certain kind of in you know, Somaliland. So so there is a uh, there was a report that Egypt wants to um, uh, uh, create a military base in Somaliland uh, by threatening Ethiopia. But if you look at it overall uh, in the in the basin itself, Ethiopia has more support than Egypt uh, because the traditionally. Uh, 
Egypt and Sudan have been controlling the Nile Basin. There has been a, a number of attempts to create a Nile Basin River Commission, Nile Cooperation, but Egypt, particularly Egypt, and to some extent Sudan, by demanding to protect their historical rights, have been uh, forcing the other nine riparian countries to come together a kind of cooperative uh, agreement over the Nile water. So I think by Ethiopia taking this uh, issue uh, of using this, uh, by building this dam has really brought a change, big change in the power dynamics because they have to have a negotiation. Their Ethiopia will be a party, whether the, the Egypt and Sudan like it or not, in the, in the sharing of the water. And I think that's what the other riparian countries of the Nile Basin are also liking that Ethiopia has really uh, taken the um, challenge and broken the uh, historical um, uh, domination of these two countries, particularly Egypt and the Basin. So I think it's a, it's a lot of game being played uh, regionally on the um, 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 Arab or the ethnic or racial lines on the international lines. It's unfortunately all the water negotiations when it becomes this kind of political, uh, it's always a political, but it's, it becomes too political, then it becomes problematic. Uh, but I think the, the best thing, best possible thing is Egypt and Ethiopia need to uh, reduce this kind of security, securitizing this issue try to really deal with this water and particularly on the dam and focus on how to really use it for the development and cooperation in the basin. The U.S. has backed talks between the three countries to find a peaceful resolution, and there are reports that the Trump administration favors Egypt over Ethiopia. Is that creating a problem for the talks? Yes, I think there was uh, in the November last year uh, for the first time, uh, an outside party got involved in the negotiation. That means United States. Uh, when the Trump administrations got engaged, uh, in spite of the record of the Trump administrations, who, uh, at least I was certain, hope, hopeful that it might able to get certain kind of agreement because the World Bank was also assisting the Trump administration. Um, uh, Trump, uh, particularly United States has a long uh, established uh, relationship with Egypt and it is developing a good relationship with also Ethiopia. Ethiopia is a new friend, Egypt has been a old, an old friend. So I thought probably the, it will try to do certain kind of uh, negotiations which is acceptable by the both the parties. But I think the, what happened in the negotiation, as I understand, this is a very complicated negotiation. This is a long history is involved. Um, uh, this, this is not, as we discussed in the beginning, um, this is not a, a overnight problem. This is a, a century old problem, and particularly this damage is going for uh, 10 years. So I think if uh, they, a negotiator, particularly if the United States was uh, getting engaged in this negotiation, it was supposed to have certain kind of patience, um, but it didn't. Uh, it wanted to force an agreement. It is uh, forced uh, in the absence of Ethiopia wanted uh, uh, to sign an agreement which Egypt signed. So that really took away whatever little legitimacy of uh, Trump administration had to getting being an impartial negotiator. 
So I think what has happened, uh, the, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, the, because there are certain kind of report which uh, Trump is not very happy with the way Ethiopia has played the game. But of course, Ethiopia is being supported uh, by China and Russia to a large extent because uh, it's uh, China, of course, because of uh, various reasons, but also China has the similar kind of issue. Uh, China has been uh, an upstream. China um, take, has taken a principle stand that it never signs an water agreement being an upstream or water, being control of the water tower of Asia. Uh, but uh, and China will always supporting or will ever because uh, Egypt also brought this issue to the Security Council and the weights of course it uh, the Security Council put it back to the African Union which I think uh, uh, given the kind of situation um, the African Union is the best possible negotiator at this time. It's not the United States. Hopefully, we will see a peaceful resolution to this potential crisis. Uh, certainly, water issues are only increasing in magnitude across the planet, and that region in particular has had enough friction for a long time. Professor Swain, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to join us here on The Crisis Next Door. Thank you. It's my pleasure speaking to you, Jason. We've been joined by Ashok Swain, Professor of Peace and Conflict Research with Uppsala University in Sweden. Professor Swain is also the UNESCO Chair of International Water Cooperation and Director of the Research School on International Water Cooperation. Thank you for listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. Till next time. The Crisis Next Door with host Jason Brooks is produced weekly. If you have any thoughts for Jason, email him at tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Again, that's tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.